Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father, and if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Hello to everybody in your homes all around Newburgh. Happy Communion Sunday. Hope you all are excited about eating some body and drinking some blood together. Hopefully meeting some new people or just enjoying spending time and fellowshipping with other people. Uh, A little teaching or something to lead us into it that I do think actually ties in well. We're continuing our Luke series of The King is Here. Uh, I've had a title for this teaching I guess I kind of do, maybe, where it's a subtitle. You can decide afterwards whether it's a title or subtitle. But it's The King's Desire. Uh, We're in Luke. Uh, Last week, Bria taught very eloquently on uh, Luke 5, or the beginning of Luke 5, where he's healing a paralyzed man. Uh, If you haven't heard that, definitely go listening to it. Definitely go listen to it. Uh, Well, we're going to continue on in a short little section, really, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. Uh, And I'll just go ahead and read that to start things off. So, uh, Luke 5, 27 through 32. After this, after he had healed the paralyzed man and forgiven him and sent him home with his mat, uh, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. Uh, And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Uh, I actually just want to pray for this, honestly, for myself, because teaching via video could be a little funky. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to pull... Fortunately, the Holy Spirit doesn't care what the medium is. He can show up anywhere and everywhere. So Jesus, Holy Spirit, pray that you would be here. Uh, pray that you'd be in each and every home. Uh, I know that you are because you said where we're gathered, there you are. Uh, also, you're just with us. So you were there, and I thank you for that and that you're here. Uh, I pray that you, your words would be spoken, your, your heart would be revealed, uh, and that we would know you more through your word and through taking communion uh, with you and with each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, there's one thing that really stood out of this passage as I was looking through it, um, and it actually wasn't from, the Luke, well, it wasn't from Luke's telling of this story. Uh, if you look through a couple of the other Gospels, this story comes out a couple of different places. It's in Mark uh, as well as Matthew, and, and but all of those stories are pretty similar. They're pretty much the same flow, same details. Uh, same verbiage, but more or less, which tells me at least that there, there was something important about this story. Uh, but in Matthew's gospel, there's one little add-on that's just a little that's distinct. Uh, when I read this as I was doing some initial prep a while back, uh, it was this distinction that's been sitting on my mind uh, since I looked at it, or since it, I read it. Uh, and you go through the story, it's the same thing. He, he finds Matthew, uh, also known as Levi. You can look into the name distinction there. There's different thoughts on it. But when you're talking about Levi, we're talking about Matthew. Uh, he was a tax collector. Jesus comes up to him, says, follow me. 
Matthew leaves everything and does so. He then invites Jesus to a house, to his house for a party uh, with his friends who were not necessarily the elite of the community in the area. Uh, and some Pharisees saw that and they were, they didn't like it. Uh, they, they complained to the disciples. Uh, another translation I, I read said they murmured, which I thought, thought had some interesting distinctions to it. But then the, it gets to the point where Jesus heard their murmurings. He heard their complaints. Uh, and his response to them, uh, similar to that in Luke, is that it is not, health, it is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. But then he adds this little bit. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call righteous, call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, and it's this phrase that he desires mercy, not sacrifice, that's been sitting on me. Uh, that I've been trying to go and learn what it means. Because at first it feels maybe like, okay, sure, he just wants us to be merciful and uh, it's, it's the Pharisees, so it's just going to be opposition to them and everything they're about. But I think there's something more to that idea of mercy versus sacrifice. Uh, and, and, and my method of trying to figure things out, at least, is like, well, what's this coming from? What do the words mean? Uh, but before we even get to that, uh, what Jesus is referencing here, which the Pharisees would have known, uh, I don't know my Old Testament quite as memorized as they would have, uh, but this would have been an, an, an instinctual, immediate connection for them, is that he's referencing the Old Testament, uh, specifically Hosea. Uh, Hosea 6 um, uh, verse 6, where in that section, Hosea is a wild book in the Old Testament. If you haven't read it, definitely recommend it. Uh, but in there, he's, it's, it's God kind of torn over the nature of Israel, uh, over their, their wayward ways, that he has loved them, he has been faithful, he's been committed to them, and they have gone and acted not accordingly. Uh, and so it's, it's him re acknowledging their actions, acknowledging the fruit that is going to come from their actions, but ultimately revealing himself as their savior and that he will still be faithful and he will still love. Uh, but in the midst of that, in the midst of them acknowledging that, if you look at Hosea 6, it's talking about Israel's unrepentance. It says they've been unrepentant and their response is, well, let's go back to the Lord. We'll do our sacrifices. And so the basic idea is that Israel has been acting in such a way that is not Correct. They, they, they have been living and sacrificing to false idols. They've been living for themselves. But then they'll go and make their sacrifices at the temple as if that's going to make everything okay. And it's like, well, I can live however I want, but as long as I go and do this, as long as I go and kill this sheep, kill this lamb, murder this bird, whatever it might be, uh, it'll all be fine. And Jesus' response to that is what we see in uh, verse 6, or a portion of it is it, in it is for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. He, he discusses uh, the response of the nature, the nature of Israel as being fleeting, like dew. They come and do their sacrifices, but then it just goes away. There's nothing lasting to it. And ultimately what I see here is that Israel is missing the heart of God. They're missing, the, the sacrifices weren't just something to kind of placate, place whatever that word is, uh, placate uh, his, God's emotions. That, that's not why God had the sacrifices. He wanted to know Israel. He wanted relationship with Israel. We kind of see the, the relationship as like a father and a son throughout the book of Hosea. Uh, and so as we, as we look at this, as we think about, well, what is mercy? What is sacrifice? Uh, 
after going there and looking at the book of Hosea, I'm like, okay, like, there's some Old Testament connections. The Pharisees would have known this. But for me, it was more just like, well, what is mercy and what is sacrifice? And honestly, what the, the, the main thing that really held me up was that both of those I thought were good. And we'll get to, get to that in a minute of specifically with the sacrifice. It's like, yeah, I know mercy is good. Uh, that, that makes total sense. Uh, I am glad that I have mercy. But then why is that being put in opposition to sacrifice? Like, wasn't, aren't we supposed to be a living sacrifice? We'll look at that verse in a little bit. Uh, and so what, what I wanted to do now is just look at both of those a little bit. And specifically, I want to look at them under the context of the king. We have a few characters in this story. We have the sick, which personified by Matthew or Levi, the tax collectors. We have the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders of the time. And then we have Jesus, the king. Uh, and as this series is the king is here, uh, I want to look at the king's response. I want to look at how the king interfaces with both of these and what mercy and sacrifice looks like under the king. Uh, for mercy... If I was to Google it, which I did, uh, its definition is basically something along the lines of compassion or forgiveness when it's within one's power to punish. Uh, so it's an extension of compassion, extension of forgiveness when, when, one, when it is within one's power to punish, when one has the option of not doing that. Uh, and for more like a, a Bible kind of definition, if we look in Psalms uh, 51 verses 1 and 2, uh, it says, have mercy on me. And this is, this is David after he's committed adultery with Bathsheba and Nathan's come and rebuked him. This is David's response to him. He says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Which I feel like aligns, Google aligns with this pretty well. Uh, which we can trust Google in this instance, maybe not other instances. Uh, but this, this has that sense of there's forgiveness being sought, knowing that the one from whom that compassion and forgiveness is being sought from has the power to punish. But it's asking for, the, for not that. It's asking for, 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 for forgiveness instead of punishment uh, based, on, based on the power that's there. And I think that power part is important. It's, an, the, it's not just a, a hand-wavy thing. It's like the one to whom the forgiveness is coming from, the one whom forgiveness is coming from, has p the power to punish. And I'm focusing on the punishment, but they have the power. They have the option. And so what God desires from us is that we are merciful. Which, when I hear that, it tells me that, I, that we have power. We, we have, which, which we know. That's what we've been talking through this whole series. Uh, the king is here, and the king is our template for how we can then live and walk and act in the world. And so when he says be merciful, he's saying you have the power to punish, but I'm asking you not to. You have the power to judge, but I'm asking you not to. You have the power to, to, to reap benefits that might be right, but I'm asking you to give forgiveness and compassion. I'm asking you to look at the world around you as I did, through the lens of the cross. But why is that contrasted against sacrifice? When I was looking at this, at first I was like, well, so sacrifice isn't the right thing. But like in my mind, it's like, there's, there's something, I know there's something about uh, sacrifice being a good thing in the Bible. Like, I know that's a thing. But wh where is it? And it's in Romans. Uh, 
Uh, fortunately, Laura helped me remember it because she's a pretty bright individual and remembers things better than I do sometimes, most of the time, actually. Uh, but Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, so we get that mercy coming in, so in view of the mercy of God, uh, present, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So here we see it being I mean, recommended, it's being commanded, it's being elicited, that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice. So how do I view sacrifice? Because it's seemingly a good thing in Romans, but in Luke and in Matthew, we're, we're seeing it contrasted uh, against mercy, uh, apparently. Uh, so do I view sacrifice as a loss? When I sacrifice something, which I think is what I often would consider. It's like, well, if I'm sacrificing something, I'm losing something. I'm giving something up. Uh, so that's one option of how we could view it. Or is, do I view it as an exchange? Like, well, if I give this, then, you, then I get this. Uh, is it this, like, trade? In both of those, what I, what I was realizing as I was processing this is both of those views of sacrifice acknowledge weight and, and uh, value to the thing that I'm giving. It's like if I'm sacrificing this and it's a loss to me, then it has value. Or if I'm sacrificing it and it's an exchange, then whatever I'm giving has value. But I don't think that's the sacrifice that we have under the king. Uh, I think the sacrifice that we have under the king, and if you were to look up what sacrifice means, you will often see it as a loss. Like that's how it's defined. It's losing something. But in the upside down world that we live in, if we flip that around and put the king in his proper position, to sacrifice is not to lose and it's not to exchange, it's just to gain. It's like the, the, the parable that we'll, I think we'll talk about at some point in the future or it's in Matthew, I forget which gospel it's in, but it's when, it's when the individual, the person finds a treasure in a field and having found that treasure, they go sell everything so that they can get the treasure, so they can buy that field. At that point, I don't know if they would consider themselves having lost anything. So what does sacrifice and mercy look like under the king? I want to actually look at these distinctly, because I think even as he's talking to the Pharisees, there's, two dis there's distinctions within each of them. It's not necessarily that they're contrasted, they are, but I think it's a contrasting of mercy with the sacrifice that isn't under the king. It's that old sacrifice of like, well, if I give this up, if I do this thing, then I get this thing in return. This thing I'm giving has value, and therefore I get this other thing. Or if I lose this thing, that'll be viewed well, whatever that might be. If I give the, the first fruits, the best of my stuff to, to, to the Lord, then I will get his forgiveness or get his good viewing upon me. But let's start with the mercy part. Do I, do I view the world with mercy? Because uh, that's what he says he desires. The king's desires that we would have mercy, that we would acknowledge that we have the power to punish, but would instead extend forgiveness. We'd instead extend love. We'd extend compassion. And we, and we see Jesus doing this in this story. He's eating and drinking. He's hanging out uh, with sinners, tax collectors, the lo the, those who are not viewed well, 
the traitors to the Jewish people, the one who are reaping benefits from the Romans, uh, their arch enemies, uh, and he was hanging out with them. Wasn't he? he was just teaching or correcting or telling them the way that they should live, and I don't know what was going on at this dinner, maybe he was, but from a distance, from afar, he was spending time with them, and that was acknowledging their value. He didn't just eat and drink with anybody in that era. To do so would be to acknowledge the value and importance of those individuals. And as you guys are eating and drinking with each other uh, around our town, I think there's something we can remember there, the value that comes to being in that communion with each other. Uh, and as we look around, and the, 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 what's, what honestly was coming to mind with this was like, how do I view my interactions with others? Do I view it as a sacrifice? It was like, well, if I spend, I need to spend time with this person because it's, I'm supposed to do it. It's like, well, Jesus hung out with sinners and tax collectors, so I should, I guess I should too. I don't know who the tax collectors of our era are. I don't personally know any IRS individuals. Um, but if you're out there, we love you. But I, I don't know who those people might be. But I, I, I know as I'm throughout my life have sought community and people, it's often deemed as like, well, I guess I should spend time with this person. Like, they're not my favorite person, but I guess I should uh, because that's the Jesus thing. And that, that pulls in the sacrifice a bit. And in, in doing so, I'm trying to sacrifice. Like, I guess it's, it's a sacrifice for me to do, but it's a good thing. But those are different. Jesus just viewed them with mercy. He saw Matthew and Levi, he said, come and follow me. Levi's response was, hey, let's throw a party because this is awesome. And Jesus, you want to come? And I'm going to bring all my friends. He's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. And, and Jesus viewed them not as sinners and tax collectors, but he viewed them through the cross. He viewed them with mercy and compassion. He saw them for what they could be. He saw them as sick, as sinners who needed a healer, who needed healing, who could be righteous. He saw them as potentially righteous and was willing to, do, to go and throw himself down, but not in sacrifice of himself, but in raising and pulling the, of them in. Which, which comes, brings us back to the sacrifice. Uh, and the story that we read, did Levi sacrifice when he left everything? The very beginning of the story says that, Jesus, that, that Levi got called and he left everything. I think as we would see, that'd be a loss. He was a tax collector. He had a lot of money. He had prestige. He had the ear of the people who actually had the power in that era, and he left that. Was that a sacrifice? I don't think so. I mean, maybe, yes, technically under verbiage, and if you're to split hairs, like, well, yeah, he sacrificed that. But I don't think it was a sacrifice in the sense of a loss. I think his response shows us that he under, he wasn't actually focused on the sacrifice, which is, I think, where some of the issue comes in, is when we focus on, the, on sacrifice, or we're, 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 on what we're sacrificing, we're giving it too much value. He saw it as fully a gain, which is why he threw a party. <laughs> when we lose our life, we find it. This is what the gain is of, of the sacrifice under the king. There's no value to what we're actually losing. We only walk away as winners. We're not exchanging anything either. And we're not losing anything. I think we look to the king as our example of what this, this looks like. We see him eating and drinking with those who weren't gonna help him in his social standings. Whatsoever, if anything, they were actively in that moment putting black marks against him. Pharisees and the teachers of the law were not happy about it. They're like, why would he go and cavort with them? He had the power to punish, but instead he saw them and extended compassion and I don't think he did so 
as a sacrifice. Maybe it was a sacrifice, but I don't think his walking into that, into that house was like, I will go and I will sacrifice for them. He saw it as what he was gaining as well. He was gaining healed, new children back. And that gain was worth everything to him. As I was thinking through even just the great sacrifice, which is what we're gonna be remembering today, Jesus' death on the cross, where he gave us his body and his blood, it made me wonder, in that moment, as Jesus was hanging on the cross, because he's our example, if he says he desires mercy and not sacrifice, then I would think that he lived by giving mercy with his viewpoint, his perspective as being mercy, extension of mercy, not of sacrifice. Now maybe it might've been a sacrifice, we can split those hairs later if you really want to. Splitting hairs is hard though, so I don't recommend it. But mercy is how he lived. And when he hung on that cross, I don't think he was thinking, I'm losing myself. And this is a big deal, so they should really appreciate this later. Now we look at it and like, yeah, it's a very big deal because God died for me. But I think when Jesus hung on that cross, what he was doing is he was looking throughout eternity at each and every one of us, and he was saying, come and follow me, offering everything, because I think he viewed the gain of us, the gain of you, the gain of me, the gain of his children back to himself. That, that's just all he was excited about, if he was excited, which I think he was. Uh, that, that's, what, that's, what, that's what his perspective was. It was looking throughout eternity and saying, I want them and I want them and, I, and, and they need my mercy and I want to give them my grace. He was looking out at each of us and saying, come and follow me, be my child again, be free. So even in his sacrifice, he was extending mercy to all of us. And I don't think he viewed it as a sacrifice as he hung there. He, he viewed it as a gain. He didn't view it as a loss. He didn't view it as an exchange. He just viewed it as a gain. It was a gain for him to get you and me back. He found a treasure in a field. He went and sold everything, being his life, so that he could buy that treasure or buy that field and then find that treasure. And then he's asking us to do the same. And as we remember, we could remember the sacrifice, which is not a bad thing to do because I think it's a good acknowledgement of what he did on that cross. But today I want us to remember as we move into communion, as you move through the liturgy that's been prepared, I want us to remember the treasure, the treasure that we actually find. That as we go through life, we might ask ourselves, what is Jesus asking me to do? What are the areas that he's asking him to step out in? He's asking me to, to give in, to move in, the actions he wants me to take. And I want us to, to compare whatever we might be giving up, sacrificing in those moments for the treasure that we find in him, in his body and in his blood, and the life that we've received through those. And I want us to remember that in comparison to anything that we thought might have had value that we'd be giving up. Because in comparison, it is nothing. We have access to a treasure. So may we, as we move into communion, as we move into eating his body, drinking his blood, remembering who he was and what he did for us and the mercy that was extended, present our bodies as a living sacrifice, but realizing that in that sacrifice, we are just gaining everything. So as we move into communion, I'm gonna pray for us. Uh, Holy Spirit, may you be, I just thank you that you're present. 
Thank you for your presence and thank you that you are present. Jesus, I just, I just pray that in every home that you would ex once again just extend your love, extend your embrace, extend that look from the cross from 2,000 years ago where you said, come and follow me and may we follow you again. Specifically, when I was prepping this, I had, I had the thought of those who might not have followed him yet. And I can't make you do anything because I'm on this side of a screen and I haven't figured out how to like step through the screen yet, you know, and whatever that would be. But uh, my encouragement is that you would find the boldness of leaving everything right now and acknowledging even to those around you that you want to follow him. Because I can, I can assure you that those there will be joyously ready to celebrate that. And you've already got a party and a feast in preparation for post that anyhow. So Jesus, I just pray for those who may be desirous of following you, who may be seeing you looking at them from the cross and from the grave and then from the throne room as you've defeated death and you are saying, come and follow me. For those who may have that pull in their heart, God, I pray that they would have the boldness and strength to answer it. And God, as we move into communion, as we move into eating your body and drinking your blood and remembering the mercy that you extended for us as you viewed us as your treasure, may we just, may we just get out of a greater sense of the treasure that we have found with you. That anything else is nothing. There is no value to anything beyond you. That you and you alone are worth everything, that we're not losing anything when we find you. We're not trading for anything. You've just given yourself to us freely. May we remember the, the, the weight and treasure that that is. In your son's holy name, amen. amen. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you wanna stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.